Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to TYT Interviews. I'm Anna Kasparian, and I'm very excited about the interview that's about to take place, although I want to warn everyone that it's regarding the issues of cultural appropriation, which seems to be a very hot-button issue online. Now, this is an issue that I've evolved on quite a bit just over the last few weeks. Uh, I wrote a column about this in Raw Story, and some of the reaction that I got from it was discouraging, to say the least. A lot of people are unfortunately not willing to listen to different perspectives, different points of views when it comes to this issue. And so I want to give you guys proper warning prior to watching this uh, interview. If you are closed-minded, if you have no interest in understanding different points of view on the on, different points of views on this issue, then don't waste your time. Don't go ahead and write negative comments about it. If you are open-minded and you are interested in learning about this issue, then I think that you're going to enjoy this conversation. Now, joining me right now is Fumes, who is a DJ and blogger. And the reason why she is the person I'm interviewing right now is because we had some disagreement a few weeks ago on Twitter. Um, The conversation kind of started after we did a video on Rachel Dolezal and also a video on Kylie Jenner's cornrows. And I'm not entirely sure uh, which issue Fumes was upset with, but she tweeted some criticism at me, and I tweeted back in a very defensive way, and it kind of devolved a little bit. And then finally I realized I'm being unprofessional. I want to understand her point of view and different perspectives when it comes to these issues. Now, uh, Fumes, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay, thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Fumes. I am a tweeter and a blogger and just very opinionated, and people do like my opinions. And I try to make sure that the youth, the millennials, are into politics and into you know racial issues and current events, because if we don't learn our history, then history will repeat itself. And that's what I make sure that I do. Um, being on my Twitter, and I have a large following on Twitter, and I just wanted to make sure ever since you know last year when I started you know, the cultural appropriation started coming in, you know, fashion shows and things like that. That's how I started reaching out. And then when the whole Mike Brown situation came out, that's when it just started like just like just a firestorm of of collective events um, with black people getting shot and killed. Yeah, and it's very important to it, um, acknowledge. So that's why I use my words for and my platform for. It is important. And nothing makes me realize how divided we are as a country than all these different issues that are coming up, whether it be something like cultural appropriation or people getting shot and killed when they're completely unarmed. And so I'm glad we're having this conversation. I want to focus on two different things because I feel like we can spend the entire day talking about the issues that are basically destroying the country right now. But I want to talk about cultural appropriation since that was the first disagreement that we had. And then I want to talk about um, the Black Lives Matter movement and what's happening with Bernie Sanders' campaign right now. That's another very controversial issue, and I want to get your thoughts on that. So starting off with cultural appropriation, um, the the latest video that we did on that was about, I believe it was Elle magazine or Vogue, one of those women's magazines. Yes. 
And they uh, featured a white woman um, sporting an afro, and they basically said, hey, white women, you guys can have afros too. It's great. And there was a lot of negative feedback about that. So before we get into the details about that story and Kylie Jenner's uh, cornrows, discuss a little bit what cultural appropriation is and why members of the black community are upset about it. Basically, cultural appropriation is basically Columbusing. Um, taking different cultures and, and taking the origin and being completely erased in Western cultures and having, you know, having a traditional kimono on and not being in the cultural event or taking it as your own or saying it's new and saying it's hip and cool and, and it's a new trend. Uh, for example, in fashion weeks when cornrows was, you know, flashed across, across the screens and the fashion shows and people are like, no, you can get this hairstyle quick and it's a trend and it's new. And no, it's not new, actually. I've been rocking cornrows since I was a little girl as well as other black girls. And when you take that hairstyle, meanwhile, you know, saying, oh, yes, white girls can have an afro too. Mm-hmm. Afro is not just our natural hair uh, texture picked out. It's a, it's a political statement. Mm-hmm. For, for years in America, saying black power, this is us, this, this is who we are, this is our identity, and you cannot take that away from us. And we're proud of our identity. We're proud that even if you say that we're na- we have nappy hair or we have ugly hair, we will still embrace these features. So while, so cultural appropriation basically is just taking, taking it from other cultures and then completely changing it into something new and something different when it's not new. Mm-hmm. And these people who are, um, people who are being discriminated against and black girls being thrown out of schools all the time, expelled for their natural hair and their braids. While you can wear it and say it's, it's a new thing, it's it's very offensive. Yeah, it's erasing our identity, and that's what I have problem with cultural appropriation. Basically, Columbusing, colonizing, exploiting um, what's so, been happening for centuries. <laughs> I actually want to focus on the discrimination aspect of it because I really didn't understand what cultural appropriation is until I focused on how the same hairstyle will lead to discrimination for one group of people, but then an applause for another group of people, right? So mm-hmm. that women's magazine who that basically said women wearing, white women wearing an afro, that's trendy, that's cool, but it totally ignored not only the political component of the afro, but it also ignored the fact that a lot of black women feel pressure to straighten their hair. So that kind of touches on one of the biggest criticisms that maybe the white community has about the notion of cultural appropriation. They'll make the argument that, hey, what the hell? Well, all of the cultures are kind of mixing. All of the cultures are kind of taking different elements from one another, and they're, they're rocking it. So why is it unacceptable for white people to celebrate a black hairstyle, but it's com- completely okay for black women to straighten their hair? What would your reaction be to someone who makes that argument? Okay, well, first of all, straight hair is not limited to white people. Straight hair isn't a culture. So it's not, I mean, people who have straight hair, it's, it's, it's a whole oasis of people who have straight hair. It's not a culture. Box braids and an afro is our culture. That is our culture. Um, I cannot put a bindi on my forehead. I can't do it because that's cultural appropriation. I respect that culture. I respect that. Um, but it's the same thing. However, straight hair isn't the thing. And when people say, oh, no, black women wear weaves or black women do this, even though every other race wears weaves and every other race straightens their hair. It's not a culture that you're, you know, taking from. Mm-hmm. Because I have a weave in my head, which every race does. Or when, when people straighten their hair, which every race does, is certainly, you know, not even uh, what cultural appropriation people say from white people because they want to claim something. It's also um, from black men as well and saying, oh, we hate ourselves or, oh, oh we want to be white or all this and that. So it's just 
black women in general, it's just we can't win. We can we can't win. It's just damn if we do, damn if we don't. Um, so, do but, you feel but, that black women feel a lot of pressure to change the natural texture of their hair just so they can survive in society? Because that was oh, an definitely, argument. Definitely. That was an argument that I read about, and I didn't really put too much thought behind it until I kind of understood what was going on. Because you know, if you are being interviewed for a job and you are sporting your natural hair texture, do you feel like you get treated differently than someone who does straighten their hair? No, it's always the standard of looking as European as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, even historically, when relaxers came out and black girls felt like when I was growing up, I felt like that was just how you transition into being a teenager. I mean, black girls just get permed. That's what it is. It's just we don't we don't, it's the mindset that our hair is nappy, our hair is unacceptable, and if we apply to jobs and in job discrimination or just go to schools, they say, no, you have to straighten your hair. You have to look, you have to Europeanize yourself and look that standard. Um, in any situation, as well, other situations, if you're looking more European, is, is your skin tone. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the dark skin and light skin debate and, and, and controversies, controversial issues are still going on in the black community, and it's so so deeply rooted, so deeply rooted since slavery. And the lighter you are, the better chances that you have at getting a job. You know, so, we, the European the European features that you have is the better chance of getting a job. The straighter that your hair is, better chance of getting a job. So it's not just that we just want to straighten our hair and look a certain way. No, it's just that we have been conditioned since childhood that our hair is nappy, our hair is unacceptable, our hair looks like wool, and it, it, it's disgusting. And not even just from society itself, but society is conditioned, you know, people who of our own community, shaming others. The natural hair movement is so important right now. Um, Relax yourselves are just dropping, which is really, really good because women are learning, hey, my hair is beautiful. Hey, my hair is nice and I can do what I want with it and I don't care about your opinion. And that's what's really important today is the natural hair movement. And that's why, again, the white white people are trying to go, oh, no, we're in the natural hair movement too. It's natural hair. But it's a difference because our natural hair means so much, has such more of an impact on our self-esteem than your natural hair. Society treats our natural hair much different. Mm -hmm. So it's just a statement. So so I want to talk a little bit uh, about Kylie Jenner and just specific people that have been attacked for cultural appropriation. Mm -hmm. So my understanding is the bigger issue is the way society reacts to, let's say, white women who will sport you know, traditionally black hairstyles versus the way that they react to black women who sport their natural hair. And so there's obviously a double standard there, but it seems as though the black community doesn't really necessarily attack society as a whole, but they attack the individual who might be celebrating a particular, you know, black hairstyle or black element of culture. Do you, do you feel like that is a successful strategy in getting the message across about cultural appropriation? Because I can say from my personal experience, you know, if you look at those stories on the surface, it seems like someone who actually likes black culture is being attacked. So how do you kind of get the messaging across so people understand that it's not necessarily about attacking a specific person, but attacking the way that society deals with these issues? I think I would say that's it's such a tricky situation because of, you know, at one point, you know, there was like a 14 year old girl being attacked on Twitter, like just attacked on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she's 14 years old. She's 14. Like, let's calm down here. Let's chill out. Mm -hmm. She's 14. It's not it's like it's it's form of harassment. And I'm sure she doesn't mean it. She said repeatedly that she didn't want to offend. But at the same time. 
it's 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 still you know it's still that double standard that bothers me mm-hmm. so i don't I, i'm not sure i think i think the fashion industry and these and these fashion um magazines are really the ones to attack mm-hmm. because cosmopolitan recently they featured you know senegalese twists and that's a, a form of box braids and they only featured about a couple of light-skinned women racially mm-hmm. ambiguous women and the rest were white so i think when people read these magazines or people read these publications, um, then that it has an impact on them. They want to do it. So I think who to attack is more like the fashion industry who's sporting these on the runways, uh, or magazines that are you know promoting this hairstyle. It turns people off when a specific person who seems to really like black culture is being attacked. And I totally understand the double standard in society, and that's an issue that needs to be addressed immediately, but it's difficult to address it because I feel like there's a lot of misguided anger toward one or two people, when in reality it's about how we as a community look at beauty and fashion, and we give one group of people all the credit in the world and another group of people all the discrimination in the world. So I agree with you that it's a tricky issue. I'm not quite sure either what the correct strategy is to get the messaging across, but it takes a very, very open-minded person to kind of scratch beneath the surface and understand what's really happening with these beauty standards and the double standards that exist. Right. But I don't critique anyone who... I don't critique... If I see... Like like recently when I saw a, a white woman, she had locks in her head and she had nerves called them dreads but whatever mm-hmm. she has nerves called them dreads and she's you know and she's you know saying the n-word and she's you know she has like hip-hop posters she's like yeah i'm down yeah. i'm down for the cause and i'm just like no you're not that's not how you do it so right. that, that in that way that's very offensive to me and i mean it's it's it's, it's in a way it's like a each one teach one mm-hmm. you know situation but i think the bigger problem the really bigger problem that we have to attack is these companies and, and these fashion industries that are promoting this idea. Because honestly, it did not start uh, so recently. However, with, with stories like Rachel Dolezal, who's uh, the epitome of, the epitome of cultural appropriation, it just, I think that that's appropriate and understanding that you cannot be, you cannot feel down, you cannot feel black, you cannot feel down for the cause because you like it. It's, it to be an ally is... The best way to be an ally is to appreciate, not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love Japanese culture. I'm not going to touch it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to touch it. I'm so not what would going you to say, take it and what would put you it on. S- okay, so that's an interesting point because people will actually criticize what you just said. They'll say, well, you know, how, how can we be equal to one another? How can we celebrate one another when we save components of our culture to ourselves and we don't share it with others? Because when you do that, and it's the history mm-hmm. of colonization and exploitation and taking things and, you know, exploring countries and taking, I mean, it's, it's just, it's just a history of happening and the damage that is caused and it, the, the culture is being forgotten and the culture is being diluted when you do that. Um, for example, with the Benny, it has such a, a, such a spiritual connection, such, it's not just jewelry. So when you use it as jury, it just it just dilutes the whole entire meaning of it. Mm-hmm. You understand? So you're it's, more it's, concerned about it being used as a costume as opposed to being used as something that actually has a historic meaning behind it. Yes, definitely. Okay, that's it's, that's it's, interesting. It's, I mean, it's an interesting point of view. 
Um, but I could also understand the perspective of people who think that that kind of mentality kind of keeps us divided. But I do believe that certain components of people's cultures do have historical meaning, and it's important to pay tribute to that while you celebrate it. So, I mean, the, there's a lot of nuances in issues like this, and I think it's uh, difficult to get the messaging across. But I, I do appreciate you answering these questions, especially considering how complicated this is. Now, I want to pivot a little bit toward um, a bigger political issue that's happening in the country right now. Bernie Sanders has been, you know, in a bunch of rallies. He was at Netroots Nation. Uh, recently, he was in Los Angeles doing a rally. He was in Seattle. And when he was at Netroots Nation and Seattle, um, he got interrupted by black activists who felt that he wasn't doing enough for the black community. Uh, his platform focuses mainly on socioeconomic issues, and he believes that those socioeconomic issues, of course, extend to minority groups, including blacks and Latinos. But the black community or certain members of the black community feel like he's not doing enough to deal with racial inequality in the country. So what do you think about the strategy utilized by some members of Black Lives Matter? Do you think that it's an effective strategy in going to these rallies and interrupting him? Or do you think that there might be a better way to do things? Okay. First of all, I want to say that Bernie Sanders is not above criticism. Mm-hmm. So when people come at black people and say, oh, no, but this is this is your savior. You know, what I'm saying? this is your white savior. What are you doing? You know, he's he, he he wants to work for you. And then you eliminate and silence them. Silence everyone for for trying to make him a better ally than he is. And that's a, that's a problem. That, that's a, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate saying problematic. That's a problem. He's not, you know, some, you know, white Jesus save us, save all of us. However, I don't think that the strategy was the best way Mm -hmm. because we need Bernie Sanders. We need Bernie Sanders because when Clinton comes in, it's, it's, yikes. It's just like, she literally went to black church and said, all lives matter. It's just, it's, it's a no. I think that we need to take that to Clinton if we need some opinions. However, um, interrupting his rally he, he has plans he has outlined his plans if you go on his website he's outlined his plans right and he's very dedicated to the plans historically been dedicated to the plans and he's 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 the entire uh opposite of a standard politician that's sleazy and and inconsistent and changes his views to match you know what's trending right now mm-hmm. um he's always been true to himself so he has plans for us he has plans, but he can't. His plans can't even be implemented if he's not put into office. Okay, so I'm getting the sense that you don't necessarily agree with the strategy. Although the strategy that Black Lives Matter is utilized actually led to him releasing a platform on racial injustice and racial inequality. Yeah. So they did achieve something in that they forced him to kind of outline what he plans on doing. So there's a lot of respect for Bernie Sanders for being able to do that. So it seems as though they got Bernie Sanders on board to focus more on racial inequality. But a lot of the supporters for Bernie Sanders are now being very turned off to the black community and also the issue of racial racial injustice and racial inequality. What's your response to that? Well, there were two there were two instances of the protests, right? Of the rallies. I was talking about the most recent one, the one that happened the other day. Mm hmm. Then there was one Democratic convention. And I thought that was necessary. Right, the one at Netroots Nation. Yeah. But it was just the 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 most recent one when they kicked him off the stage in Seattle. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what that's all I was talking about. I feel like the first one was necessary. The second time and keep on and just keep on doing it. It's just not. Um, I mean, it's it's we we don't have time. We don't have time to wait. 
We don't have there's there's people getting killed all the time. And each time I turn on the news, there's a new victim all the time and children all of the time. So we don't have time to wait. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not criticizing the activists. I think it's very important, but it, I just don't like the strategy that happened. Okay. But I do think it's very effective in making sure our politicians are saying just because you marched, you know, all those years ago does not, you know, make it stop right there. Mm-hmm. You really need a plan for us. So I understand that. And I, and I appreciate that for Bernie Sanders. But um, yeah. Next All right. Question. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I think you made your points clear. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show, especially after some of the drama that we both experienced mm-hmm. online. Um, I think that your answers are really interesting. And I hope that the audience learned a thing or two about what's happening in the black community just, right now. Go ahead. I just want to talk about Rachel Dolezal for a second. Yeah, let's do it. Because because you said it wasn't a black feminist issue. Mm-hmm. And it is a black feminist issue. Like it's it's a very important black feminist issue because of of taking a black woman's identity mm-hmm. and just saying, you know, I can throw on a wig and I can put an orange tan on and all of a sudden I'm black. And then a lot of um, arguments is that, oh no, she's 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 you know NAACP. Oh my God, she's mm-hmm. she's worked for black people. You need to be grateful. You need to be grateful. She is, she can be black, and that's not it. That's not how it works. That's so okay, I, I want works. let me share my perspective on this and then okay. you know maybe we can go back and forth about it a little bit. So the whole notion of cultural appropriation is taking someone else's culture, celebrating their culture, but not actually celebrating the people, right? Ignoring the issues that those people have had to deal with for a long time. Rachel Dolezal might be someone who's an example of cultural appropriation, but not only does she celebrate the culture, she has celebrated the people, she identifies with the people, and she has fought for the people. So the reason why I was willing to kind of dismiss her and not be so critical of her is because I don't think that she's an example of someone who hates the black culture or wants to fight against it. I see her as someone who identifies with it so deeply that she wants to fight for it. So I think that's the reason why I had a very negative reaction to some of the criticism she got. I don't really know what she did that was so wrong. Yes, she lied to people about what her identity is, what her born identity is. But being born one identity is different from what you actually identify as. So the reason why I'm also very empathetic toward her is because I'm born an Armenian woman But I have a hard time identifying with certain elements of Armenian culture. I identify, as ridiculous as this might sound to some people, I identify more with Latino culture. I don't present myself as a Latina. I don't pretend to be a Latina. But it's just my identity. It's my preferences. It's what I like to celebrate and what I identify with. So I felt a little empathy for her. But I do want to understand exactly why there's so much hatred toward her, considering that she not only celebrated black culture, but fought for rights for the black community. Well, there's a lot of people and white people and other cultures as well who who love black people and celebrate black people and even fight for black people. Mm-hmm. However, I don't care. I don't care how many marches that you've walked. I don't care how many times that you've shouted the Black Lives Matter. Is not when you when you put on this costume, mm-hmm. it's 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 you're completely. It's it's a it's just completely erasing everything. It's not giving you points. Not, especially when she made up hate crimes for herself. Yeah, she that was a big crimes. issue. Yes, she sued Howard University. So it's it's clearly not you know it's clearly not something right with her. It's just not right. It's not right. When you make up hate crimes, that's when you cross the line. Yeah, it's I mean, look, I agree with you. I agree with you about her suing Howard University. That was ridiculous. Okay, and. The NAACP getting rid of her was totally fine in my book as well because she was being deceptive of her identity. But after all was said and done, after 
she got all the criticism in the world and all the hatred that you could imagine. She had that interview with Vanity Fair and she said, look, this is what I identify as. This is my identity. And if people don't like it, I don't know what to say to them. And, and so that was when I was willing to give her a pass because to me, her dressing or styling herself as a black woman wasn't her wearing a costume. It was her identifying as who she really feels like she is. And so I guess that was why I was willing to give her a pass after all was said and done. I mean, do you think that there's at least a little bit of admiration for her considering that so many people hate her for what she's done and she still identifies as black? No. It's because white privilege is that you get a vanity fair spread mm-hmm. for saying that you're black and you're not. That's, that's, that's the thing. That, that is a, a, a whole entire situation of, of white privilege being in all of these covers and all these spreads. And, and Vanity Fair is a very prestigious fashion magazine. So it's... No, because we, it's, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful to us. It's disrespectful to our identity and how much we go through all the time. You cannot feel Black. You cannot identify as Black because you will never be in that situation. You will never have to look over your shoulder at a policeman when he's driving by and make sure that he doesn't profile you and arrest you for what? What, are you, what am I getting arrested for? Mm-hmm. For resisting arrest. That's what you're getting arrested for. Right, so but it, wouldn't you, you argue never, that... You never have to do that. Wouldn't and you argue... As, as, as long as... Black people are being treated like dirt, like dirt, dirt, lower, lower than dirt. Mm-hmm. As soon as, as long as I'm seeing these uh, videos of these police surre- surveillance, and as long as black girls being expelled out of school for being just being black. No, you cannot identify as black. You will never identify as black. And like, it's, it's, it's very disrespectful. and It's very insulting, especially to black women, how how you can just. Like it's no, it's 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 you will never grow up black, as black. You will never understand what it feels like to be a black girl or a black boy. Wouldn't you argue and, though that if she dresses and looks like a black woman, then she's opening herself up to the same type of discrimination that maybe you faced in your life? No, because she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't look black. I mean, there's there's certain there's certain privileges that we have. Um, like say, if she was born a black woman, mm-hmm. right? She'd be white passing she'd be white passing so she'll still have that certain privilege of looking white to society because she's still just like there's light skin privilege and how i have a you know a certain privilege uh regarding you know versus the people who look darker than me mm-hmm. because of a of an issue if you look at me and a lot of people a lot of questions i'm asked is what are you mixed with what are you mixed with are you mixed with are you biracial are you mixed and that that has a certain um, view of society is me because a policeman will look at me and might say, are you mixed? And they might think, oh, do I have a white mother? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. And I could be treated better. So it's, it's, it's a situation all the time. So no, she's, she, no, no. Okay. Never, ever. Never in a day. Never, never, never in a day because she identifies black. It's, it's, it's not, it's not, um, you can't just, you can't, just because she put on a costume does not make her black. There's certain experiences, and not just aesthetic of looking black, but it's the experience of looking black. It's the discrimination of looking black and being torn down and saying you are not good enough all the time for looking black and being black. So no, she cannot identify as black. She can't die. No, that's that's all that's right. a, a, the essence of cultural appropriation, and it's very insulting. It's extremely insulting when we see her in news, see her in Vanity Fair, like, yeah, I identify as black. Yeah, I put this wig on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I put this t- spray tan on and I identify as black in the culture. Mm-hmm. No, no. Well, you can appreciate, but you cannot appropriate. You can look 
and 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 so and and you know say oh my god that's so beautiful but do not touch it don't right. touch it because then you're erasing our identity especially when black women have to go through so much all the time and it's 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 just insulting in in every level and so, it, it, when people ridiculed her it's funny yeah yeah all the memes were funny all all the memes were entertaining however um there was a it was a it was a certain you know it was coming from we want people were dragging dragging her mm-hmm. because of the level that she put the level of disrespect she did with going to the NAACP and and trying to pull on that and deceiving people as well as making hate up making up hate crimes against herself mm-hmm. it's, it's it's just unacceptable i know she will never be black and that's that's this is my point now never change about it all right as long as we're still getting discriminated against you have definitely made your point on that clear <laughs> All right, before I wrap up the interview, I want to ask you if you have any other issues that you want to mention. Just, just when I, when I, I, I get so much um, from Twitter and things like that. I, have, I do have a large following and, and I do tap into controversial subjects mm-hmm. all of the time. And because I'm on the internet, you know, people do say whatever they want all of the time. I understand that you worked and, you know, done uh, covered black stories. That's why I appreciate you. That's why I promote the Young Turks to people who watch me, who, you know, who listen to me and and my followers. And and they're very young. A lot of them are very young. A lot of them are from college to, you know, still entering high school. Mm -hmm. And they tell me, thank you for, you know, getting me into things and, and introducing me to channels that I can watch that gives you gives me the real deal on news and, and politics and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the Young Turks, but I find I think of the young, the young Turks as an ally. So when I see the Young Turks not being, you know, the best ally they can be, and incorporating white feminism, which is which is completely a um, a, a very rampant issue mm-hmm. into you know when feminism is coming out as main, very mainstream and it's become very popular. Um, White feminism, white feminism, you don't have to, have to necessarily be white. You don't have to necessarily, you know, it's just, for example, when, with, with the whole thing about Caitlyn Jenner. Mm-hmm. And she's a conservative. She identifies as a conservative. And that's, uh, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know why, but that's fine. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, she's, she's saying, got money. That's why she identifies as a conservative. She wants to protect her money. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, exactly. one of the main reasons. Well. Right. And it showed because she said, well, um, you know, the social programs about lit for lazy people and lazy poor people and statistics show that the lazy people aren't actually, I mean, people are living on minimum wages that they cannot survive on. Right. right. So when you are only liberal when it benefits you mm-hmm. and when you're saying, oh, no, 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 let's all be open-minded and let's, you know, help, you know, our trans sisters and brothers. However, your trans sisters and brothers are often in that category. Right. right. And you're only thinking of what applies to you. Mm-hmm. For trans rights for you, and not for the people that you're representing. That's 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 a perfect example of white feminism. Right. Okay. Um, so I, you make a good point about that. But one of the main reasons why this interview happened is because it started with you accusing me of being a white feminist. And yeah. so the reason why I got defensive about that is because a I don't even know if I identify as a feminist. Period. Because there are so many gradations within the feminist movement that right. I don't necessarily agree with. Two. I agree with that too. I have never, ever talked about an issue on the show and made it only about white people while neglecting the black community. In fact, one of the biggest criticisms we get on the show, literally on a daily basis, is that we're race baiters, that we're focused way too much on social justice issues. So we get hate from 
the racists and the bigots and those who are in favor of discrimination. And then to get it from the other side was, was hurtful, which is why I got very defensive. And so if I've ever said anything on the show that makes it seem as though I only care about white feminists or white women and I don't care about anyone else, that is the furthest thing from what my character genuinely is. I not only care about women's issues, I care about men's issues, I care about minorities, I care about everything that I talk about on the show. And maybe something that I said was misconstrued, but I do come from things from a general perspective, genuine perspective, I should say. And sometimes I get it wrong, and I'm totally okay with the constructive criticism, but starting off the conversation with Anna is the epitome of a white feminist, of course, led to me being defensive. So I'm hoping that this will actually lead to better discussions in the future because I am open-minded and I do want to understand your point of view and I do have a better understanding of you know where you're coming from. And I hope you get a better understanding of where I'm coming from as well. And I don't understand that, but when you, it's, it's about how you perceive to other people mm-hmm. and not everyone was with, with viewers and I do read the comments and I do read the, some people just, it goes out in one ear and out the other, or they take a certain situation of that and say, oh, no, 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 you know, and says it's not cultural appropriation. So, I mean, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. And it, you have to, I just want you to be the best ally that you can be. And I understand, I don't, I don't write off people just like for one thing they said and say, oh, no, 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 I don't like you anymore. I don't do that. But what I do is, is that when I see, like, for, for example, the Patricia Arquette situation, mm-hmm. um, and she's saying, you know, I, it's time for black people to come together. It's time, no, she didn't say black people come together. It's time for black people to come and, 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 and the LGBT community to come because we've helped all of you. Mm-hmm. We've helped all of you. Now it's time to help us. That's, that's, that, that's the situation. That's just, and then when he said, well, she didn't say, she didn't say that we're excluding black people. We, she didn't say that we're excluding gay people, but it's just how she perceived it as, and it was clear that she was excluding. She was, it was very clear. It's very, it was very um, obvious that she was excluding and, and saying how feminism is right now. The just very concerned about white women, very concerned about cis people, very concerned about straight people. And even in those minority groups, a lot of people only care about, you know, the when there's white gay activists saying, saying all, when they recreated this Olymp- historically Olympic picture um, with the black power fists, and when Love Wins happened and, and the su- Supreme Court decision came out and they recreated the image, okay. 1968 Olympic mm-hmm. uh, salute and the winners, and it had a black power signal, mm-hmm. um, very clear. And it's, it's, it's a very historical, very iconic picture in black history. And they recreated that with white men mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, the rainbow necklace and doing this. Mm-hmm. What are you what are you doing? So so we want to include all minorities in feminism and understand that feminism is intersectional. True feminism is intersectional. It's not just about women, it's about men as well. It's not about just, you know, uh, uh white women, it's about black people and all of people of color, all of them, all of the LGBT community, including the LGBT people of color, mm-hmm. as well as the trans people of color. And we just want to make sure that, that all everyone those is issues included. Are included. So when we talk right. about cultural appropriation, that is a feminist issue as regarding, you know, the equality, the political and, and social and economic quality of the sexes and the genders and the sexualities. Um, right. And just making sure that we understand that to be intersectional. That's all I want to do is just to be intersectional, come together and understand that everyone has issues and understand we don't want division. When I, when I say this, I don't want division. We, there's already division. Mm-hmm. Or we must recognize that division so that we can understand and, and thoroughly understand the problems and the solutions because... 
we, we have to recognize that people of color and white women do not have, in feminism, or white, white people do not have the same rights, do not have the same opportunities. So we need to recognize that division in order to close the division. Well, Fumes, so, I, I think you did a good job articulating that, and hopefully members of our audience understand your point of view. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Can you please let them know where they can find your Twitter account and also your Tumblr page? You can find me at... My Twitter is W-L-Z-K-H-A-L-L-F-A. It technically was Khalifa, but it's, 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 it looks like Wiz Khalifa. And then, I, <laughs> and then um, my, my Tumblr is browngirl, B-R-W-N. <laughs> and, then, and then the dash is uh, grl.tumblr.com. And I'm a tweeter, I'm a blog, I'm opinionated, I'm carefree, and I, am, uh, and I just speak it how it is and, and i'm very unfiltered all right guys i hope you That's enjoyed i hope you guys enjoyed the interview make sure you check her out she definitely is very opinionated um and you guys can obviously find me on twitter as well at anna kasparian thank you so much for watching and i hope you appreciated this tyt interview <laughs>